Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Connected Wellness Podcast. I am Rachel Ann. We're here with a lovely Marianne and a lovely guest, which we'll introduce a little bit later. Uh, but we are so happy you're here. Here at Connected Wellness Podcast, we are so passionate about wellness. We like to speak here about the ways that our physical, emotional, and spiritual health is all connected and how we can take better care of our whole selves holistically so we can live our best lives. We're really excited that you're here with us on the journey. Welcome to episode 12. Thank you for being here. Um, and we're excited to introduce our next guest, Dr. Ifanyi Olele is here with us today. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about him. Thank you, doctor, for being here. Um, I think we are going to really appreciate uh, what you have to say. Uh, so Dr. Olele is a board certified psychiatrist who specializes in anxiety, depression, ADHD, and other common mental health conditions. Um, he is uh, educated at the University of California, Los Angeles, a psychobiology major like myself. That is how I uh, know a doctor here and, and so happy we've been able to get reconnected after too many years. We don't have to say how many, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Dr. Olele also got his medical degree from the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine, as well as just a couple of master's degrees, right? No big deal. Um, and he practices out of uh, the DC area with all this wonderful telepsychiatry and um, really, I think, an amazing practice approach. Uh, your practice is called Genesis Psychiatric Solutions, right? And we're excited to hear about kind of how that is maybe different from other psychiatry practices. Um, so yeah, that's the gist of, of his experience, but there's a lot more to it and, and I'm sure we'll hear about it. So again, welcome and thank you for being here. Yes, welcome. All right, before we get into the, you know, beef of the episode, we got to start with our wellness wins. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm going to let you two start. Who's ready to, to share? Uh, are you ready, Dr. Lele, or yeah, do, you, do you need an example? I, I'm ready. I can go. Go, go for, for it. it. Yeah, so my wellness win was yeah, I, I stepped on the scale and the numbers are going down. So I'm happy about that. Nice. I, I changed um, Ben modifying my diet. So I'm happy about that. So yeah, the, the scale didn't scream. So yeah. <laughs> that's always encouraging. Yes. Congratulations. Way to go. And we've talked a lot about how some small habits, right? Consistent, small changes can make a big difference. Is that what you found has been working? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's time. awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. All right. We love it. We love to see it. How about you, Rachel Ann? Uh, so mine is a little bit cheesy. Um, mom, if you're listening, you're going to really, really love this one. Um, <laughs> because it's about something that my mom used to do. And I used to make fun of her for as a child. And now I'm doing this as a ripe 32 year old, which is buying an article of clothing that I love in multiple colors. <laughs> And we have just come to this point, y'all, in, in our lives, where long story short, I was looking for some flowy pants. It's summer. It's like, you know, I just want to feel the breeze and just like flow all around and be fun. And I've been having a hard time finding the perfect one for me. I'm 5'4". A lot of them are really for, for people who are tall or mm -hmm. people who want to wear heels. 
I don't want to wear heels, y'all. I want to wear my Air Force Ones. I want to be comfortable in my flowy pants. Okay, I have like a vision. This is like serious business. And so I usually don't like to shop on Amazon, but I was running out of time and I was like, all right, Amazon Prime, here we are. Like, this is why I pay for you. And I ordered the flow eight pants and I'm like, oh my gosh, I love these so much. They're great for people who are five, four. They're great for people who are not trying to wear heels all the time, even though I probably could, even though I probably could. But, um, I just went ahead and then ordered it in three other colors, like immediately. And I didn't even like think about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am that person now. Mm -hmm. And I felt really like, I was laughing at myself and I felt so silly because I was like, I used to make fun of my mom for doing this. And I was like, now I know why she does it. Because when you find something and it works, just, just buy it in all the colors, mm -hmm. you know? So I have given that up that I can't do this and I am loving it and I'm embracing it. And next week on my vacation, I will be with my flowy pants in four different colors, <laughs> smiling and happy with my sneakers on. So that is my wellness win. Very cheesy, but it makes me smile very big. Well, you know what that makes me think of? Last episode, we talked about simplifying our life. And I feel like that's what you did, right? Like, you found something that works for you. Why complicate things? Just just stick with exactly. what's simple. Yeah. Yeah, go Thank you. Thank you, Marianne. And I, better. I would love to hear what your mom has to say about that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Mom, let me know. I'll text you I told you this. so. I feel like an I told you so is, is coming. Uh, yeah. Mom Mom usually usually knows best. We learn that later. Yeah. Um, How about you, Marianne? All right. So mine is also based on something we talked about last episode. So we talked about uh, trying to counter the hurry epidemic, uh, doctor. Mm. So I'm sure you, you know something about that as well. And so, um, we took a road trip last weekend and because I definitely have hurry sickness, um, usually on road trips, I'm like, we just need to get there as fast as possible. I don't care if we need to stop. Like if we have to stop, it's in out, you know, I'm constantly watching the time on my, you know, Google maps. Like if it goes up, I get mad when I like save a minute. I'm like, yes, it's like a game. Right. <laughs> but I stopped myself. And I was like, why am I in a hurry? Right? Like we're going somewhere. We don't have anything scheduled until the next day. Like I don't have an appointment. Like why am I in a hurry? Like nothing is going to happen if we get there five minutes later. Like I don't have to yell at Chris to hurry up and pee as fast as possible at the rest <laughs> stop. You know, like we can just take our time. No big yeah. deal. And it really made a big difference like mentally for me, you know, not having mm. this like rush, rush, rush. So that is one of the things we talked about. Like, just ask yourself, why am I in a hurry? If there's no real reason, you know, then then maybe we can kind of take away some of that uh, frantic feeling of, of being in a rush. So I love that. And we have another road trip this weekend. So I'm going to use that again. And I think it's going to be good practice. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, Marianne. Thank That's you. Great. So yay, wellness wins. Great, everybody. <laughs> keep, keep them coming. Um, all right. So what are we talking about today, guys? I'm excited. <laughs> I think it's going to be great. But we have Dr. O'Leary here to yeah. tell us a little bit about your approach to psychiatry. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to talk with your audience and just, you know, just open flow conversation and yeah. answer questions that, you know, people have been thinking about with mental health and especially wellness, too. So I'm definitely excited for our talk today. 
So tell us, how, how do you think um, your practice may be a little bit unique compared to a lot of other psychiatry practices? So um, one of the things that our whole team and our staff, we emphasize is treating our patients as just human beings. And it's very mm. simple. We, when people come in, we don't look at them as, oh, this is um, Jimmy, the depressed person. You know, we look at this is just Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And um, when they come in, we take a holistic approach. We, I, one of the things I like to get to know my patients for who they are, what mm-hmm. are their goals, what wins they want to have. And so knowing that is important. I put that to the forefront. And we also talk about what's going on and how their psychiatric condition, whether it's like ADHD, anxiety, depression, what is it taking away from their life and mm-hmm. what we could do to help them get back to where they want. So mm. that's one of the unique things about our practice. Mm, I love that. I feel like that's very important because it makes people feel like you care about them in their whole lives, not just like, okay, what are your presenting problems? Okay, let's do this. Okay, bye. You know, mm-hmm. it really shows that you care about the things that they care about and you wonder what it's like for them to be them. Like, what's it like to be in their shoes? So I love that. Yeah. And and taking the time to figure out what is most important to them. Like you said, what wins do they want, right? So um, there are a lot of dimensions of wellness, right? So maybe you could tell us about those different dimensions. And, and maybe sometimes we have to figure out how to prioritize what's most important to us at any given part in our lives, I think. So um, will you share those with us? Yeah. So when I'm talking with my patients, one of the things I always keep in the, the forefront is like the eight dimensions of wellness when I'm talking to them. And the eight dimensions of wellness are there's physical wellness, which encompasses your physical health, um, your like sleep, under that is like sleep, appetite, your energy, your physical condition, your medical condition. Then there is emotional wellness is like how in tune are you with your emotions or your relationships? So knowing your triggers, your stressors, what are some good coping skills you have? Then there's spiritual wellness, which is your life's purpose, um, either if you're religious or spiritual or not spiritual, but just like your life's purpose. Like, for example, like, are you fellowshipping with your church members? What's your relationship with God? Or yeah. just in general, let's say if you're not a person that's spiritual or religious, are you volunteering? You know, is there something mm-hmm. you're doing greater than yourself? So mm-hmm. that's spiritual wellness. Then there's intellectual wellness, which is how are you stimulating your mind and your intellect? Are you traveling? You're listening to new music, learning a new language, reading books. So anything that you could do to just stimulate your your mind, your your intellect. And on the flip side, now that was more internal factors than the external factors of the eight dimensions of wellness. We have social wellness, which is your ability to connect with others and um I see that that took a hit during COVID for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have um, environmental wellness, which is your relationship with the environment, either nature or even at your house. Like, how does your home setting environment impact your mental health and wellness? Wow. Then there's financial wellness, which is everybody's relationship with money. And that could be about budgeting, saving, financial traumas from the past where some people may got families are living check to check or anything. So that follows them with their lifestyle now or investments people make. So that money plays a big role in people's Mm -hmm. mental health. Yeah. And the the big one that I see a lot in practice is about occupational wellness. 
mm. your relationship with your work, mm-hmm. where a lot of times people either get a lot of stress or joy from the work they do. And so that's overall the eight dimensions of wellness that I in practice just keep in mind when I'm talking to my patients. And then that guides also helps me guide treatment with after doing a full evaluation, I'm able to know, okay, we'll prescribe this medication. I recommend um, therapy, um, this lifestyle um, intervention, or even uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation, which treats depression and OCD. So those are things that I offer um, my patients. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. We need an episode on each one of those dimensions. <laughs> that all just wrecked me. I was like, yeah, I need help in that one. Ooh, that one too. <laughs> so I, I think that's really incredible, that approach. Yeah, what I think is so uh, interesting is that we focus here on the three dimensions, right? Like you heard in our intro, emotional, spiritual, physical, but we don't realize how those other dimensions impact those three so much, you know, that like, for example, if you talk about financial wellness, like if someone cannot pay their bills, if they cannot, you know, eat, they, they do, don't have rent, rent money, right? Of course you can't have good physical wellness. You're not going to be able to take care of yourself. You're not going to sleep well. You know, of course, you're not going to have good emotional wellness. Your spiritual wellness is going to fall off your radar. Like, I don't have time to think about this if I'm trying to survive. So, yeah, those are really, really important. Um, What do you think, like, as individuals, if we're not in treatment or even if we are you know, how, where should we start? Like eight dimensions mm-hmm. sounds like a lot. <laughs> so how can I kind of to do something to maybe help me get started? Yeah. So when I'm looking at, when I'm doing a wellness check for some of my patients, I look, what's the lowest one? Like, you know, mm-hmm. when we're just talking, I'm like, okay, you're phys- let's say, let's go with physical health, for example, you're not sleeping well and you're not eating well. So that's where I'll talk to my patients about, okay, let's see what's going on with sleep. Do you have trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, or you have early awakenings? So I would talk about that, see what's going on. Then I'm going to um, start digging and say, okay, is this person dealing with depression? Do they have anxiety or is it insomnia? So I'm trying to get the root of what's going on with my patient and doing digging. So I always go for what I've seen as the trouble point mm-hmm. and I build from there and see mm-hmm. what are some opportunities to support them. And what are some opportunities, you know, where I'll say, okay, you're doing very well on this. Let's see if you can focus on this. Mm-hmm. And and anything that I'm not like equipped, like say for financial, I'm not a financial advisor. And when they tell me they're stressors with money, I'm like, all right. So this is a good opportunity for you to maybe look into getting a financial advisor mm-hmm. some, or somebody that's knowledgeable about mm-hmm. this, um, whatever said topic is, because when you get knowledge is power, when you start, the thing that people deal with anxiety is, uncertainty mm-hmm. and yeah. control. So once you're able to get knowledge, it kind of reduces anxiety. You may not need a medication. You're just having the ability of knowledge that could help you out. And so you're like, okay, fine. I spoke with this advisor and he gave me a plan. So that reduces my anxiety. So yeah. Yeah. I love that. That works for anything. Yeah. Anxiety is about uncertainty, whatever we're anxious about. Maybe the first step is get some information. Yeah. Knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's great. I, I, I think that's super important. So it sounds like, um, for ourselves, maybe we could take inventory kind of like, and, and maybe rank those eight dimensions 
and where, like, what's my weakest link? And maybe that's where I can start. And the benefits of improving that will kind of trickle up, I think, to the other dimensions, don't you think? Yeah, everything, everything is actually connected. Like the way you were mentioning earlier, and like if one dimension is shaky, it might have a triple, uh, triple threat on the other um, dimensions. So that's important to like try to see if you could get something together. And like you were mentioning about finances or even work, let's say you're laid off of work, mm-hmm. that messes up your finances. It yep. may impact your environment at home where you may have to move downsize mm-hmm. or it might impact your the, the type of food you can eat because you have to shop and that impacts your your physical health and you're so stressed about it. It also impacts your physical health because you may not be able to sleep. So yeah. just addressing a certain um, part of your eight dimensions one is could tip to make everything more balanced. Yeah. Mm, wow. I love that. There was something that you were talking about, uh, about, I think, occupational wellness. And um, most of our listeners are Christian. And we talk a lot about our relationship with God. And there's this concept that I recently learned about called the theology of work, where it basically talks about as Christians, our approach to work, um, and how we can make sure we're not going into hustle culture, or we're not replacing God with work as our idol. And I feel like that you touching on that dimension um especially as children of immigrants where we love work and we're like okay our parents came to this country we must work 20 million hours to prove that we are worth immigration um and so i love that that's something that you're touching on because i think that that is the root cause for a lot of other things is that relationship with work in a culture in a society that says that you have to work so many hours to be considered a great person so that just came to my mind um because i feel like I don't see that as much. And I love that you're highlighting something that is really important to people that we're just not seeing as much of. And my hope is that more people catch on to that because I think it could be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like work is one of the big, because people spend like nine hours, I mean, nine to five at work. Yeah. And so you're there all the time and, you know, you're hustling. And, but then also at the same time, you're dealing with other people too. Yeah. We, with clients, customers, patients, your boss, your supervisor. So the energy you bring to work um, may not be reciprocated. And, you know, also like, you know, as Christians, you know, you're there and you're trying to say, okay, I know you're, you're spacing out, you're separating, you know, business from your religion, but just like, you're like, God, do you want me to be here? And do, is there people, you, uh, people yeah. that I'm bringing value to? Mm. Like, who do you want me to serve when they're coming? Because I, the way I look at work, is where everybody is problem solvers. That's the way I look at it. At mm. your job, you're you're paid to solve people's problems, and you know sometimes I feel like with spiritual wellness, occupational wellness. Sometimes I feel that God, you know, puts us into the place of occupation to be like angels or a support system to somebody else yeah. because we're praying to God and say, God, yeah, help me um, get fit and right. And you go to your personal trainer and then that person is helping you out or God, I, I need I want to advance in my my job. And then God gives you like a good boss that wants to mentor you mm-hmm. and take you to the next. Yeah. level. So like it's all like connected, especially with occupational wellness, where you're just trying to be trying to get a promotion, get money for your family, um, mm-hmm. invest in your future. So, yeah. I I love that. And I want to say, I agree with you, like, 
the only reason if if you said I love to work, which I don't know, I, I kind of <laughs> think <laughs> as a child of an immigrant or immigrants, I don't know if I agree with that. But if if I said I love to work, it's not because like work, I just need to work, work, work. It's exactly what you said, doctor, because I feel like I have value. You know what I mean? That I can be a light to people in my job, you know, as a teacher, of course, you know, dealing with students all of the time, I feel like I have an opportunity to be a positive impact for them, especially there so many of them are dealing with stress and mental health concerns of their own, right? And if they can have this little bit of light, this little bit of uh, someone who seems to actually care about them, you know, I, I take that responsibility very seriously. But that's a huge one. So not only like, are you not too stressed in your work, but are you doing something that aligns with your strengths, right? That yeah. makes you feel like you're of value to others or to society. Um, that also allows you to support yourself, support your family, support your, your goals. So it, there's kind of a lot that goes into that uh, with occupational wellness for sure. Um, yeah. But you really made me laugh, Rachel Ann, that I just love to work. I'm like, eh, I mean, <laughs> like I see its value, but I also like love vacation, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, girl. You can love work and we love vacation. Uh, yeah. You work hard, you play hard too. But I agree, the, the immigrant culture for sure, you know, and I we could probably all see that with our parents. Um, but we've talked about this before. It's because of the struggles that they've had, right? Coming to a new country, like they almost had no choice, but to love to work, right? To, you know, yeah. to survive and, and to take care of their families. So it is interesting how that's changing with us first generation, you know, who knows what's the next generation going to show, uh, you, yeah. you know, with their work habits and, and the work-life balance, like we're finally understanding that work-life balance is important, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. The parent generation do not get, there's no such thing as work-life balance. They're like, hustle, hustle hard, hustle, hustle hard, yeah. hustle hard. Let's, let's get it. Yeah. And, yeah. and even like work satisfaction, although I think my parents have it, thank God, but I, I don't think that's priority, you know, like yeah. for, for, for what I was going through trying to figure out what I wanted to do. It's like, who cares if you like it? Is it a good job? Yeah. <laughs> you know, is it secure? Uh, so it is, it's a, a very different mentality, but uh, we learn, right? We grow and we learn and we adapt. Yeah, we do. So you do do a lot with immigrant um, communities, don't you, doctor? Yeah. So what are some unique kind of uh, concerns that you see there? A is a stigma. That's huge. Mm. Opening up to family members about what's going on with mental health. And one of the things, too, is what's kind of hard, because when I talk to patients and when I'm doing my psychiatric evaluation, I always like to learn about family history and that part is usually like lacking because it's not really communicated. Mm -hmm. But everybody is saying, yeah, everybody's making, uh, you know, self, I mean, not self-diagnosis, but, you know, in theory, like saying, yeah, I think my uncle was depressed or he's anxious, but he, he never went to go mm -hmm. see uh, a doctor to get yeah. evaluated. So just that lack of information, like family history, everything's more about suspicion I, I suspect that this person had that. That's what I noticed. So I, this whole thing, like like immigrant family, families are slowly opening up to the idea of mental health because yeah. everybody's quick to support everybody for diabetes, mm -hmm. asthma, 
high blood pressure, <clears throat> weight loss, but the mental health part is slow. But then families are starting to support and bring their um, their family members for help. But sometimes mm-hmm. it'd be like hush hush, mm-hmm. where they're like, "Yeah, we don't want um, such and such to know and everything." But I do have um, a strong um, population of immigrant patients in my practice, and I I, I love working with them, educating them. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, um, that makes me think too about, we talked about being people of faith. Um, and I think maybe one of the uh, uh, objections or maybe hesitancies to seek treatment is that as a person of faith, I'm supposed to be thankful for everything, thankful for all my blessings, um, right? Even when things are, are bad, we see biblically, we're told that we, you know, God has best in mind for us. Everything will work out for the best and everything happens for a reason. Um, so what about that hesitancy? Like if I say that I'm not okay, I have anxiety, I have depression, um, how do I kind of reconcile that with, well, I'm supposed to be thankful for my life, right? Like, and if I have depression, that means I'm not thanking God for his blessings. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. how, how do we deal with that, especially as Christians? And I think that definitely connects with um, the immigrant population, especially many immigrants who are of faith, right? Uh, It's so much part of the culture, at least for for us it is. I think it's so much part of our culture. Alhamdulillah means thank God, you know, in Arabic. And we say that literally for for anything, like like nonstop, which is not a bad thing at all. I'm not suggesting that's wrong, but I think it's because of that, you know, so ingrained in us since childhood that sometimes it's hard for us to admit that we might need help or that something might be wrong because then I feel yeah. guilty that I'm I'm not thanking God enough for what I do have. Yeah. Yeah, the way I look at that is this yeah, that's a, this is a good question. Um it's good to thank God, you know, because you're one you're acknowledging say, hey, thank you for allowing me to wake up this morning. Thank you for allowing me to um eat, meet people, just be healthy, just be on earth. And, you know, just like that, that's a good thankful showing gratitude. But like, as we see in the Bible, like, there is countless of people in the Bible that had strifes and struggles and it wasn't perfect. And so yeah. that's one of the things that I do um, see is that a lot of us, we don't live perfect lives. Um, and there are people that do have depression or anxiety and it's not saying, I, um, yeah, God, you know, I'm, I'm not, um, thankful for, you know, what you have in my life. You know, you, you know, he does send people into your lives that can help, you know, help that situation. Like you're saying, God, heal me. And God sends you, uh, like your relatives, Hey, there's this good doctor that you should check out, mm-hmm. you know, Dr. Olela. Yeah. He's going to help you. He could talk to you. He's going to be with your depression, anxiety, and see what's going on or seeing your general practitioners like, God, I'm like, I'm depressed on my physical health and you're able to go see your doctor that is um, treating your, your physical condition. So it's, um, it's all right. You know, I think God mm-hmm. wants to hear us, mm-hmm. you know, ask him for help, ask for guidance, but we should make sure that if he does send the people to help us, that we do listen and embrace them and pray that the doctor treating us is actually going to, you know, uh, where God worked through them to to heal us. Yeah, I love that. It reminds me of something. Um, 
my my husband is a pastor, so that means that he wrecks my spiritual life every day. <laughs> and um, something he said the other day, which I was like, ugh, fine, but he was so right, is that when we pray to the Lord, sometimes we pray to the Lord as if we need to present our best selves to him. And that's, you know, fine. He'll bless whatever we like present to him. Um, and he'll speak to us based on whatever presenting to him. But if we're honest with God, even about things that we're struggling with or we're ashamed of, or even things that are sinful that we're dealing with, when we bring that to the Lord, he can do something about that. So whatever we bring, he'll do something about. And if we bring him the realness, the depression, the anxiety, the OCD, the ADHD, whatever it is, he will do something and he will meet us in there. Mm -hmm. And so my hu my husband challenged me and what it sounds like, Dr. Olele, you're mentioning too, is being honest and saying like, hey, I'm grateful for XYZ and I'm also struggling with ABC. Lord, meet me where I am, right? If there's a support system that I haven't tapped into, like, how, like, let, let me know that so I know what to do about it, right? If I need to open my eyes and see a therapist or speak to a psychiatrist, find a financial advisor, like, bring that to me. Take away the barriers between me and that person so I can get that, the support that I need. And so I was thinking about that. I was, I wonder if God is like, hey, Rachel, reminder through Dr. Olele now um, about that, because I think it's really powerful, but it's very difficult to do that, especially when we come from cultures, like you mentioned, where there's shame and it's like, all right, let's just keep it hush hush, where we're used to like saying like, everything is fine, but like everything is on fire. You know that meme? It's yeah. like the dog, like, <clears throat> everything is on fire, but he's smiling mm -hmm. and saying that it's fine. So I appreciate your encouragement for us to be honest and open, even in our spiritual mm -hmm. lives. And it sounds too like when we do take that initiative to seek help, it's another opportunity to see God's goodness, right? Because we can see, like you said, him working through other people, um, through the professionals to help us. And then it's more to be thankful for, right? And then I don't have to feel yeah. guilty because ultimately I will be seeing more of his blessings and his provision. And yeah, so I think that could only be a positive cycle there if we do take that step. And like you said, Rachel, too, like in our prayer, it's both. It's I am very thankful for these things, you know, thank you, Lord. And also, but I kind of need some help. And we are his children. And I don't think he's ever going to be mad about us just being honest with him. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that I think that was a good reminder for me and hopefully for others as well. Yeah. All right. So I I have more questions. You can stop me, anybody, at any time if there's <laughs> something else you want to say. But, um, okay, I think your practice um, style and approach is, is awesome. But here's my concern. Do you think it's common for psychiatrists to have this holistic approach to be able to take the time with their patients and ask about their financial situation, their work life, you know, their environment at home, is that, would you say that's more common or less common? I think that the issue is depending what, how much time the patient, the doctor wants to give with the patient, because yeah. it blew my mind. I had a patient that I saw a few days ago and they're saying that for like, I do a 60 minute evaluation. So mm -hmm. first meet up somebody and they're saying, oh yeah, I, have, I mean, um, I had a doctor who saw me for like, less than 10 minutes mm -hmm. or something like that, whatever the, and was asking mm -hmm. questions. I was like, what? Mm -hmm. I was like, mm -hmm. how do you get to know your patient? Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the, the reasons why um, 
I am so adamant to giving my patients time. So I get to know them because it's a, a physician patient mm-hmm. relationship. I, and in my, um, my training, we were trained, you know, you're a doctor, but you're also a teacher. You're, mm-hmm. you're somebody that works with me. And so that's very important to me. And some people, some practices do 15 minute checks and they're in and out pill. When you give the medication, there no relationship. Right. But for mine, I wanted to differentiate myself as a place where my patients feel heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They feel like they have an ally in me and yes, I'm their physician and um, they're my patient, but I want them to know that when you come in here, either we're seeing each other virtually or in my office, this is a safe space. You, uh, you're paying for somebody to hear what's going on with you and we could create a plan. And I always give them options like um, medication. Let's see what's going on. I do genetic tests for patients. So I just how the medication interacts with their body. Then um, if a patient has been struggling with different antidepressants, more like here, I could, um, I could prescribe you transcranial magnetic stimulation and I'll say you'll come to my office um, I will check um, check to see where we could find the location in your brain where that regulates mood, and then we'll mm-hmm. apply treatment there with the transcranial magnetic stimulation. Then I also offer therapy, or if not, if I'm not able to do the therapy for them, I give them a bet, I refer them out mm-hmm. to a better person that meets their needs. And mm-hmm. then I'm big on lifestyle interventions mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's where you know I I really always want to ask pa- patients. What do you want and what do you want from this treatment? A lot of people say, yeah, I just want to be on less meds. I give my recommendations. I'm like, yeah, you need to be on meds or okay, let's meet, I'll meet you halfway. So if we're not going to increase this, you got to be in therapy or, and you also got to be doing the work lifestyle interventions, like either exercising, listening to music, you know, spending quality time with people that don't, are not toxic. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. <laughs> so that one. So that's why I, I I custom I make I customize my treatments to each patient's but following FDA guidelines mm-hmm. and medicine because I never go off the rails and everything. I do everything in the confinement of what is uh, scientifically um, scientific based evidence, mm-hmm. but I factor in the person. That's important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like the patient is allowed to be. Um like a team member in the treatment process, you know, like to, to figure out what works for them, what won't work for them. Like you said, what their primary goals are. That's huge because I think a lot of times in any medicine, you know, we go to the doctor and we know they're the authority, right? You know, they're the ones who went to school. They're the ones who went to training and we kind of just blindly accept whatever, you know, they tell us. Um, but to have that little bit of ownership, you know, to feel like I could be, um, uh, a component of my own treatment, that's so empowering, right? So that by itself, I think is helpful, just, you know, that you show that you care what they want versus, nope, this is what you need, you know, deal with it, right? Um, so yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and what I think, too, I always tell them is that it's your body. And so and this is, but I'm giving you my recommendations. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's your body and um, you know your life history better than me. So I'm giving mm-hmm. you the medical and psychiatric um, recommendations, but you know how your life is. So as, as, more, as open as you are to me, the better I can help you. 
And then um, they're saying, and when sometimes when patients come in and say, I want this medication, I want this medication, I have to um, educate them. I was like, okay, this medication is not good mm-hmm. for you because A, it could have um, abuse potential mm-hmm. or it's not, it doesn't work, it won't work well with you because just because your friend took it doesn't mean you need to take it. So yeah. I, I also keep it real with them. And so the, the expectations are, yeah, I'm not a magic genie that'll give you all your wishes, <laughs> mm-hmm. but just more so that I'm here to um, be a good recommender, recommender and a, uh, somebody to listen to. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. man, that direct-to-consumer advertising of prescription medications drives me nuts. Because because of that reason exactly, you know, you see a commercial and it looks all magical, like one pill changed this person's actor's life, right? And you want it, but you really know nothing about how that's going to affect you, you know, your specific condition, you're, the medications you're already on. Um, I actually remember studying that in my MBA program in ethics because I just, it's, it's bonkers. And in Europe, I don't know if this is still the case. They did not allow, uh, advertising of, of prescription medications, at least back when I studied it. I don't know if that's changed, but yeah. Yeah. So, so yes, you're still the authority, which is, yeah, you have a very important role. Um, and the patient can, can think that they know, you know, what's best, but to have any sort of say, like you said, it's their body, you know, you only, you can, can say how you're responding to the medication, right? Um, that's, Mm -hmm. that's again, big to have that little bit of ability to, to have a say in your treatment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how can we find, uh, if we were looking for someone like you, how could we find maybe a psychiatrist who has more of this holistic approach to treatment? Yeah, I would say there's different ways now that, you know, technology is improving every day. Like one, a, a good pl- starting place is like psychology today. Mm-hmm. Um, psychology today, you'll be able to put your zip code and and um, what you're looking for, a psychiatrist, therapist, and then you'll see people's profiles, pictures, and you could go on their profile and they list what kind of things they they do. And that, that would be a good starting point because where they will say like uh, Christian-based or, you know, marital or mm-hmm. couples. So you get to find, get an idea and you go, and I'll, the next thing I'll say, the next step is just checking out their website, looking the reviews because that's important too. Um, seeing what others who have had experiences with them, what they say, their type of the, the, what the website talks about their mission, their services. I think that's always a good point. And also social media is good. If the, mm-hmm. the practice, the therapist or psychiatrist, they have a social media presence, you get an idea mm-hmm. to see what their, what their beliefs are, what mm-hmm. they want to bring to, not beliefs like as in religion, but more like the beliefs in like the, tr- uh, the treatment of their patients or what services. So. I definitely think that, um, especially with mental health, I definitely feels about having a good fit because I um, I match well with people, but I'm not the best fit for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's one of the things that I um, have grown in my um, practice. And like, yeah, we're not a good fit and, and vice versa. I may be the best fit for somebody. So it's all about the patient, who they will connect well with and mm-hmm. The therapist or psychiatrist are they culturally competent are they somebody that let's say a patient comes and talking about how about god and religion is a big part of their life and um and the therapist or, or a psychiatrist 
is not, or even nurse practitioner, they're not really, um, they kind of shun that aside and say, oh yeah, well, I'm not really touch that. But in, you don't have to say, oh yeah, let's do all these things, but just acknowledge it and saying, okay, your, your faith is important for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you feel like you are not living to your faith or you're disappointing God, or is that a stressor mm-hmm. for you? Because I do have patients that, you know, that's a part of their life. Mm-hmm. And they sometimes feel guilt. They're saying, yeah, I'm not um, going to church as often. Or I don't feel like I'm, I feel ashamed that, you know, with God, I'm doing things that are displeasing mm-hmm. to him. Then we have to talk through that because that is a stress, a stressor for them. So, yeah, so definitely just somebody that is culturally competent and, and has um, things that they could help you out. And they're not scared to talk mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. So does that mean if you started with a, a provider, it's not like rude to break up with them <laughs> how does that work right so let's say especially a therapist you know you start with a therapist and you're like this just isn't working for me how do you tell them that or you know there's like that yeah you're not you at like the patient how would the patient okay. yeah broach that or do you just kind of ghost them i don't know <laughs> what's the protocol <laughs> a lot of people a lot of people we've been ghosted when you but that's it's, it's, i think it's appropriate to at least let the the provider now say, hey, I'm going to other services, A, because I don't feel we're a good fit or the the pricing or my insurance. I found a provider in network. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good way. I've had patients. I've, I've had it all. I've been <laughs> ghosted. I've had. Um, oh. No, that's sad because like, you worry about them. Mm. But, you know, you're being ghosted and you try to reach out and that's the best you could do to see if yeah. they're okay. I have patients say, yeah, you know, I found somebody in network. I'm like, cool. If you ever want to come back, just mm-hmm. um contact us or they're saying yeah um and we mutually agree yeah we're not a good fit with each other so there's there's a i think it's best just let them know that at least you're going to a new provider i mm. love when the patients tell me that because i'm like all right cool you know here's what you here's what it is you know i wish you the best yeah. and uh, if we never need your records let, let us know or vice versa but yeah so there's different ways but yeah but providers know when they're ghosted they don't ever heard anybody but no it's nice i i agree if they're so kind as to worry about you then it would be nice to just let them know you're okay and and seeking treatment elsewhere that's fair yeah we can be adults about it right (laughs) yeah Yeah, that that's a, a good suggestion well um I think this has been awesome. I, I, I think we're r- getting close to running out of time. Do you have any last minute questions, Rachel? Um, I have a thought and then a question. I, I appreciate you mentioning Dr. Orlele, the, I think you, yeah, I think you said cultural competency because I remember when I was a psychotherapist, I was working with somebody and it was in a clinic setting. So they had me and they also had a psychiatrist on staff too. And the client was a Christian young girl <laughs> and the, she had a diagnosis of schizophrenia. And I'm like, you're kind of young to have schizophrenia, but you know, it happens. Let me see what's going on. And I looked at the reporting symptoms and the psychiatrist said that she had schizophrenia because she prayed to God. And she felt like she heard a response. And I was like, okay, let me just check. What is she hearing? What is the response? And she's like, oh yeah, that's just like God telling me that he loves me and that I'm gonna be safe today. And I was like, so I don't think you have schizophrenia. Like, is this voice telling you to harm yourself, harm somebody else? Is it an evil voice, right? Let's like examine this more. So not to advocate, I was so mad at that psychiatrist who saw her for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, 
sir, like we, we need to have, like you were saying, you see them for an hour, you have to have a real relationship with them and it's a child. So her and her family. Um, so I was very mad and I say all that to say, um, clearly I'm over it. And also <laughs> I appreciate your approach to say like what you are presenting. I will make sure that I'm a good fit for you and that I understand the things that you're saying instead of classifying it as something in the DSM or saying that it is something that's dangerous mm -hmm. when it's really not because I think that's a big fear that a lot of people of faith and people of any faith um, and people of color and people who are immigrants have when they go into any type of helping professional setting is like, is this person going to tell me that something that is cultural, that is healthy is actually mm -hmm. unhealthy. I need mm -hmm. to stop it. Right. There's some things that are cultural and they are unhealthy and we need to unlearn. Absolutely. But there's also some things that are cultural that are not unhealthy and we can maintain them in a healthy way. And so I feel very passionate, um, very passionate. I am very passionate about that. And it makes me think about this last question which is for those of us who um, care about mental health uh, and we see perhaps like somebody in our family or our friends or somebody in our cultural community that could really benefit from mental health or we're just worried, right? How do we even have a conversation with somebody in our cultural community about mental health? Yeah, that's always a tough one because it's always about how would the person receive mm -hmm. your concern? Mm -hmm. but. But is your approach like saying, I'm just coming, you know, when you're talking to them, you just say, I'm coming from a place of love or caring. Just, you know, just, you know how to warm up to the person you're trying to reach out to and just yeah. say, hey, you know, I've noticed that you're not, um, you're not coming to as often to our get togethers. Um, I noticed that you are, um, you're not, you're not dressing the way you used to, or you're not saying your joke, whatever you've noticed the change and then say, you know, is everything okay? You just, you know, you're just trying to show concern. And if they're able to open up to you, you hear them out there saying, like, you know, like most people, you'll, they'll say, I'm not a, you know, I'm definitely, I'm not a psychiatrist or therapist, but I love to support you anyway. Is mm -hmm. um, you need help looking for one, or I could give, if I, I know somebody that knows a, a psychiatrist or therapist, I could give them that your way, or even better, um, if you make an appointment, if you need me to be there for a moral support, I can help drive you there, or be mm -hmm. in the way. I've seen it all with um, different levels of support. And I always tell patients, the more support you have, the better. When we're doing um, the, the TMS, the transcranial magnetic stimulation, I always encourage the patients, yeah, bring your loved ones in. And, you know, they come in there too, or regular medication management appointments. They're either in the room or not. I had one patient once brought a friend who's not a blood relative. I was like, are you cool with your friend? being there? like, yeah, I want this person mm -hmm. in here. I'm like, all right, mm -hmm. cool. You know, it's all about I'm I'm trying to provide a, a space for them because I'm only there for like 30 minutes to an hour. I'm talking to them, but their family mm -hmm. and friends are there. They're the ones that have their back are going to be taking the phone call. So I, I just want to be involved with that, that team collaboration. But at the same time on the person that's trying to help their friend out, just put it to a place where you're saying, yeah, I'm, I'm available. Here. Mm -hmm. You're not bothered. Mm -hmm. If you if you need any if you need me to help pick up your medication for you, I'll do it because you're so depressed you can't get out of bed. I'll mm -hmm. do that yeah. for you. So, yeah. what? Just be a, a, a ear and just let them know you're not a you're not trained in that. So that way you don't feel the burden because yeah yeah you can trigger too. If you're like if there's not healing that you have and then you're trying to be their therapist, it could go sideways. Mm -hmm. You know. Yep. 
Yep. Wow. That reminds me of one of the early episodes we had on support and vulnerability that just the first step is just being there and, and listening, you know, open, non-judgmental and letting them know that you're there. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was helpful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. O'Leary for being here. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. Great. Yeah. We really appreciated that. So, um, Rachel Ann, you talk about all of our tech stuff because I'm sure maybe some of us will want to <laughs> yes. get in touch, uh, in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and something that Dr. Olele mentioned about having somebody to support you, even helping you find a therapist, stuff like that. That's something that I literally love to do <laughs> so much so that I thought about making it part of my business, um, <laughs> but I'm not going to, I'll just happily do it for free. But I say all that to say, we hope that you feel encouraged to find support in your life and whatever that looks like. If there is something that Marianne or I can do, even Dr. Olele can do, please reach out to us. Obviously, if it's within like our capacity, and our scope will do that. Um, but Dr. Olele, if somebody does want to get in contact with you, is there a way that they can find you online, on Instagram, anywhere? Yeah, um, there's um, multiple ways. Um, first, on uh, social media, um, my individual page is at um, Dr. Like spelled D-O-C-T-O-R-O-L-E-L-E. -L -E. That's my um, Instagram, Twitter, um, handle then my company um my companies there there's at gps mindset you can find that on um, instagram twitter and then then there's also at um gen g-e-n t-m-s that you can find that on like instagram and then our company websites are um www um dot um gps mindset.com that's my medication management practice and then uh, www.gentms.com. That's my um, TMS practice. So definitely those are two different ways to um, connect with me. And I'm licensed in uh, California, Florida, DC, Maryland, and Virginia. So. Wow, awesome. In the event that you didn't get any of that, it will be in the show <laughs> notes below, so do not worry. Um, if you would like to reach out to me, I'm on Instagram at Real with Rachel Ann. Marianne is also on Instagram at Wabasaba. Connected Wellness, we're so hip. We are on Instagram <laughs> at Connected Wellness Podcast. We also have email because that's very hip too. We are at Connected Wellness Podcast at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Olele, for having us uh, and for being here and sharing such incredible insights Mm -hmm. with everybody and without further ado marianne would you like to wish us our <laughs> goodbye statement absolutely thanks again for being here hope uh, everybody enjoyed this and we hope that you be well until next time take care everybody bye